Hi everyone, I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And this is Hawkeyes. Authentic knowledge and feelings. I feel it, I feel it. Okay, I know where you're going with this. You want a little clip that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead it's like, whoa. But I'm really not funny. No, no, no. somber opening <laughs> um how are you doing i'm good Kaka. Kaka. <laughs> i'm a little chilly you're a little chilly mm-hmm. i'll put on a sweater oh wow well you might not be after that after that drink because i i had two of those drinks and i'm wide awake warm. feeling warm <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, I uh for for the listeners tonight I had an experience. Um for as a Valentine's Day gift, my dad got me <laughs> a uh he paid for this like bachelor thing that was a Q&A with Chris Harrison over Zoom where he answered probably no one's questions. <laughs> like definitely they were questions that were planned beforehand mm. for him. And um, and also a cocktail set was delivered to your house, so you had to live in a major metropolitan area to participate. Yeah, because they deliver cocktails things to you. But I got like a a little tequila bottle, not like a little little tequila bottle, but not like a full size tequila bottle, yeah, a medium, a substantial size. Yeah, um, and uh, some some cherry mixer mm-hmm. and together that makes a cocktail called the flirt there were three cocktail options this is the one i chose it was also the cheapest one but it sounded the best to me mm-hmm. um yeah and we had guidance from tim the bartender who told us how to mix two liquids together in equal parts into a cup <laughs> groundbreaking yeah uh and then we Got to hear Chris Harrison talk about this season of The Bachelor, where he just says like lots of very predictable things. Mm-hmm. You know, like eating isn't sexy. Mm-hmm. Tyler Cameron's shirtless. Yeah, he's actually pantsless in tonight's episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, Chris Harrison, the Dark Lord himself. Everyone, go listen to Game of Roses. <laughs> What? I can't promote another no. podcast on our podcast? No free press. All right. Well, talk to me separately and I'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I did tonight. And I did drink two two of those drinks. Mm-hmm. It's I'm a great way. Well. And now, yeah, now Jonathan's having one. Um, I, I feel like this is the right way for us to go out. This is going to be our last solo episode. We have guests for all of our, for our remaining episodes uh-huh um and this, this is the last one we're doing you and me 
let's make it the best one ever let's make this the best episode ever jonathan mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like we're i feel like we're not feeling as contentious as usual no why would we we're 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 almost uh on our way out here no you know we're sometimes at peace. when we have sometimes when we it's the episodes where it's just the two of us i know yeah we, we start fighting immediately bit. yeah we get into it a little bit for no reason i don't think you and i like usually fight that much either you know no, what I we mean? just like to do it in public <laughs> yeah like just we let all of our tension out when other people are listening it's or cathartic. watching yeah um no yeah i don't know what it is about these solo episodes that just uh, make me really want to attack you verbally uh but we're we're just chilled out tonight yeah having our bachelor drinks Mm -hmm. uh talking about the good lord bird yes talking about our guy ethan hawk in general (laughs) yes are you trying to fight me no not at all. You just made a face. I didn't make a face. It wasn't about that. Okay. About something else. What was it about? It's about how he hasn't been on our show. I know. Ethan. Ethan, I know you're listening to this right now. I know you just hang on our every word. You know? And I just don't understand, Ethan Hawk, why you haven't been on our show yet. No. Um DM us, Ethan. I know you do your Instagram. Hit us up. We're here. It, it, look, we may be finishing the show soon, right? But yeah. it's only it's only temporary because there's going to be five or six new Ethan Hawke movies coming out this year. Uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back. So we're happy to talk to you anytime you want, Ethan. Amen. We really, really want you on the show. Yeah. We want to ask you about dad mm-hmm. we want to ask you about one last thing you know we have so many questions um if you come on the show i'll i'll read all of your books first i promise mm-hmm. i'm currently reading this is something i wanted to talk about i'm currently reading a bright ray of darkness mm-hmm. um but i will read all of the other ones i have read the hottest state mm-hmm. ethan i want you to know i have read one and two halves of your books oh so i'm really trying here and i will i will commit to reading all of the books if you'll come on the show i don't know what more we could do for you we've watched all of the movies and all of the tv and the podcast and what podcast oh yeah and the podcast sandra i'm sorry i know i know sandra i know (laughs) what is that that's my impression of your Jerry Seinfeld impression. <laughs> I'm really not trying to fight you tonight. That was your impression of my impression? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jonathan's bad at me now, so I'm hosting this podcast. By what do you tonight. mean? <laughs> what do you mean? That's your impression. Have you ever heard my impression? I know. <laughs> Uh, all right um but yeah so i'm reading a bright way of darkness this is no longer a direct address to ethan hawk i'm just having a conversation Hmm. um i'm 100 pages in it feels fully autobiographical except for that the ex-wife 
wife ex-wife character is a rock star instead of an actress mm-hmm. um but it does take place in well it doesn't say the year it takes place but it is about a man who's about 32 which ethan hawk was in the early 2000s um and it takes place during this man uh while this man is in a production of henry the fourth parts one and two on broadway which ethan hawk was in 2003 um while he was in the process of his divorce uh and he stays at a place called the mercury hotel which feels like the chelsea hotel Mm -hmm. it specifically has a mexican bar restaurant attached to it which the chelsea hotel does well um lots of details about the hotel and this character staying there uh directly connect to things that we learned from chelsea on the rocks Mm -hmm. is that the one yeah chelsea on the rocks um two children older daughter younger son Mm -hmm. five and three um you know and that's fine you gotta write what you know Mm -hmm. i get that i know that i see that i hear that um but i will say like with the amount that i know about ethan hawk that you and i now know about ethan hawk we know a lot about him it does make it a little bit hard to like appreciate uh, this book as a work of fiction Mm -hmm. because i feel like it's like oh yeah these are facts about ethan hawk i feel like i'm like reading facts about ethan hawk who goes by william harding Mm -hmm. in this novel Mm -hmm. but i I, i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it i really like the um i'm really into the stuff about the production like it's very interesting that part Mm -hmm. where he talks about the way that he he gets into the role and how i don't know kind of just about like the process of acting which is something that i don't feel like, as a non-actor, I don't feel like I've ever really heard it articulated in this way. Um, kind of about the way that he immerses himself in the character is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's also a scene where he has a breakdown during the first night of previews that um, had me very gripped. Like, I just was very engaged in that part. So I am, um, despite, like, any of the trouble that I might have with the, like you know, the details of the the book. I am I'm very into the production part. And that's how I feel about this book so far. I'm only 100 pages in, so I can't really comment on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm excited to next week, I'm going to, or we are going to, if you're interested, Jonathan, attend a... Um, a skylight books um ethan hawk q a about the book mm-hmm. so that'll be fun Groovy. um yeah i don't know I'm, I'm interested to hear him talk more in detail about the book because we watched him on colbert the other night um talk about it a little bit but i would be interested to hear him talk more in detail about it because I feel like we know so much about him like as an actor and to an extent as a director because you know we've watched four of his movies he's, well all of his movies he's directed at this point um and heard him and like you know listened to interviews of him talking about them but I don't really feel like I know as much about Ethan Hawke the the novelist or Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke the writer um so yeah 
interesting. Indeed. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> Listeners. Yeah, what's new with you and your relationship with Ethan Hawke? Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, you know, since the last episode, mm-hmm. that's the last thing that happened. Yeah. That's the update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until now, which we're about to do. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, should we get into this? Sure. Uh, we're talking about The Good Lord Bird, episode four. Mm-hmm. Because we just talked about episode three. We did just talk about episode three, yeah. And what a talk that was. It was such a talk. Uh, this episode is called... I should have opened this earlier. I'm opening it now. The good Lord Bird episodes. It's a really good song. Episode four. Episode four. It smells like bear. Or smells like bear. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a reference to the the hair products of the federal agents federal man federales yeah um so yeah when we left off at the end of the last episode they uh john brown and onion had just been with frederick Douglass, Mm -hmm. and they left to you know acquire more funds to to fund the war that he's gonna start um and this episode starts with a dream sequence. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, he's like a heart grave. What? A grave of the heart or something. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's what he says in the dream. What? <laughs> Did we watch the same show? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, what happens in this dream sequence? Uh... So, in the dream, Onion is on a train, and here's Steve Zahn talking. Mm-hmm. So, I suppose that's probably with the heart grave that you were talking about. It was a Steve Zahn voiceover. Yes, yes. And um, on the train, uh, Onion sees, like, a, a conductor or ticket taker come towards him. Um, and then, as the as the ticket taker comes closer, it's Harriet Tubman. Um and then, and then Onion is startled awake. Right. And then they jump off the train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John Brown, Ethan Hawke wakes him up to tell him they're going to jump off the train. Um, and they do that to trick people and to think they're going back out west. Mm-hmm. But they jump off in Pennsylvania somewhere. Um, and then they start to walk north to Canada. Uh, which will apparently take two to three days. Yeah, it uh, seems like it'd be quite a walk. Yeah. Because Onion's like, all the way to Canada, mm-hmm. walking. Yeah, so when they hop off the the train, they um, they stop at some point uh, to eat some, you know, small rodent that they've killed probably, or nuts, or some, you know, whatever that they could find in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Ethan Hawke is kind of explaining what their next step of the journey is going to be. Um, and uh, he 
he asks Onion, like, he says that he's going to be, you know, making more speeches because he learned some things from Frederick Douglass. And he, he asks Onion to testify about the hardships of being a slave. Um, and Onion says, well, actually, I haven't been hungry or cold or even seen anyone murdered until I met you. Yeah. And he's like, don't, maybe don't mention that. <laughs> um, he also tells Onion to be on the lookout for a federal agent federal yes. man who smells like bear and you would think that if there was you know a federal agent on their tail john brown would want to be a little safer but this uh uh guy comes up and asks him to who's like a, a deacon he asks him to speak to their local abolitionist group mm-hmm. and he's like yeah sure it's <laughs> true uh so he goes and he does that and um while uh john brown is praying as he does um onion thinks he spots a federal agent um but it turns out it's a wealthy uh, it's a man named hugh forbes um who's like a i don't know he's he was a general or something in the war Mm -hmm. and john brown had been writing to him repeatedly asking for his uh you know his advice and participation in the war he's about to start and he he gives Hugh Forbes all of their money, which is seventeen hundred dollars, which seems like a lot. Yeah, and Onion's like a little wary of this. Yeah, yeah. Onion's like maybe we should save some of this money because they still have to get places and they still have to eat, and you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but John Brown insists, and then it ends up being a trick. Yeah, he just takes the money and leaves. Yeah. And they're supposed to meet later at a hotel, but he just doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. So then they decide to go, keep on going to Canada, and um, where he'll make some speeches there to try to make some more money. Yeah. No, he's going to get men this time. He decides the money is less important than men. So he's going to go to Canada to get some, some soldiers for the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the reason why this, this comes to him, because he'd been working on like, you know, getting funds and this guy for strategy, you know, he'd been working on that aspect, but he hadn't really thought about men yet. But the the reason why it occurs to him is because of something Onion says. And, you know, of course, John Brown goes off and there's this whole like, yes, you know, like, you're so right. Like God speaks through you kind of thing. Uh, and he says to Onion, um, there's a hidden oneness to the world, little onion, and it's our job to help the Lord illuminate that oneness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really John Brown. I didn't know that it was very Ethan Hawke, but I think it was very John Brown. And while they're on their way to Canada, they have this this conversation, which I think is kind of like really the crux of the relation. Like this this is like a huge turning point in the relationship between John Brown and Onion, mm-hmm. because Onion asks, you know, if john brown says you you know you're free you've been free since the day that i took i took you from dutch henry and and onion asks like if i'm free why is it that i'm always doing everything that you say yeah and ethan hawk john brown says that's not slavery we're abolitionists we're family um but and i you know i see where he com- he's coming from but onion has a great point yeah and and it's it's important that John Brown is forced to think about that. Yeah, because it seems like he hadn't thought about it at all. Yeah, it had just never occurred to him. Um, 
but you know what onion said does resonate with him and so when they arrive in canada uh he he apologizes to onion and like gives him the option to go live on his own like as a free person in canada Mm -hmm. um and onion takes it yeah uh he goes to like a catholic orphanage that uh, john brown pointed out and yeah and it's an emotional kind of goodbye moment that lasts about 35 seconds <laughs> yeah because yeah. pretty much immediately he gets to the orphanage and they're like oh we're having a abolitionist <laughs> is coming to speak by the name of john brown and then onions immediately like okay yeah but and, and there's something about that though that feels like you know how we were talking about a couple weeks ago um how the way that steve zahn and pie died mm-hmm. um felt like it was like you know from like kind of biblical like god was you know saying john brown is on the right path and these other people are on the wrong path and they're being smited so there's something about this too you know i know this is like fictional but you know there's something about onion immediately being presented with john brown again Mm -hmm. you know like they're just like destined to be together and you know like like god you know from in the in this within this story right like god is putting them together because onion is like supposed to be on this specific journey with john brown just the same way that like john brown was meant to not die until his time and you know steve zahn was meant to be blown into bits by that camp you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's just how that felt that moment felt to me um oh one thing though before onion left to go to the orphanage um i i did think it was pretty heartbreaking when ethan hawk said i've really enjoyed your company Mm -hmm. i just thought that was like such a good delivery that was very good it was it was Like, you know, like he just loves Onion so much, even if he's not doing it in the right way, you know, Mm -hmm. he loves Onion so much. And it was just so like heavy. It was a heavy goodbye, even though it wasn't very, they weren't apart for very long. It was still a heavy goodbye. Yeah. I think they both did a great job in that scene. But yeah, so Onion does go to the, the church ultimately to hear Ethan Hawke speak. Yes. John Brown. And he's very heartened by it because he starts off his speech and it's very kind of, he lacks his usual uh, tenor that he brings. But then um, Onion shows up and he's heartened by it and and starts to kind of start, you know, speechifying. Mm -hmm. And he gets really into it and starts saying all these things like we're going to start a war and we're going to, you know take take the fight straight to the slavers and all these things yeah one thing that's kind of interesting different about this speech than the ones that we've seen previously is that he's speaking to a mostly black crowd yeah um in the past it's mostly been like he's like trying to get money from white people but now he's trying to get black people to join his fight yeah and the second he asks for them to like sign up and like join his army yeah um, they've all been like cheering you know they like love all the things he's saying and then he asks them to join and yeah. they, just, they just go like immediately silent yeah they all stop cheering and they start questioning him yeah like what's your plan you know we we escaped slavery and we're gonna go right back there we need more information yeah 
and and John Brown's like, I can't tell you, but I know this is a good plan because I I came to me directly from God. Like this is this is right. Yeah. But that no one's gonna bite because they just you know they don't feel comfortable doing it until Harriet Tubman shows up. Yeah, walks in the door and then turns around and is like, "What's with all of you?" Yeah, she's like, "You know me." Yeah. Uh, yeah. She says, "My name's Harriet Tubman, and John Brown doesn't have to explain nothing to me." Yeah. Um. Yeah. She also says, "I like this line." She said, "You're sitting on the doorstep of change." That was pretty good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, basically, she says, "You know, like John Brown doesn't have to explain his plan to me. He's John Brown. I know that he's gonna, you know, lead us in the right direction." Yeah. And you've she she's basically like, you know, what are you using your freedom for if not this? Mm-hmm. Is her argument. Um and then still no one's really saying anything except for then Onion is inspired in the moment and squeals. And this is also the kind of interesting thing about seeing on Joshua Caleb Johnson age throughout this because they they've filmed these episodes in order Mm -hmm. so you're actually seeing him age in real time throughout the episodes which i think is great um but like his his voice is changing throughout the show and so when he stands up and he's like you know you know i'll join you captain or whatever he says um i think he says sign sign me me up yeah he says sign me up and it's like it's like this like squeal that feels so like you know voice changey Mm -hmm. it's um yeah i just like it yeah yeah well i think it's also like he didn't expect himself to say that yeah you know? he didn't know it was gonna come out of his mouth and then it just happened so yeah yeah and again biblical it's a very like out of the mouths of babes kind of you know thing um and then in this scene we also get rafael casal for the first time um yeah who is David Diggs's creative partner mm-hmm. in real life. Um, and in this show, he plays a uh, cook who's kind of a cad. Mm-hmm. The first thing he asks John Brown is, is there going to be whiskey? Yeah. And then John Brown says no. And then he says, okay, I'll supply my own. Yeah. And then he's like, will there be women? <laughs> and then John Brown says no. And then he's like, okay, I'll work that part out later. Mm-hmm. But he signs up anyway. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was really funny. He does like this impression of Ethan Hawke's John Brown mm-hmm. while he's talking to him. He's, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, it was fun. He's a fun addition. Like I, he's like such a, he's a frustrating character mm-hmm. because, you know, he can only kind of bring trouble yeah. to their mission. But, um, but he is fun to watch for sure. And then uh, Harriet Tubman is publicly in front of this audience, very confident in John Brown, but Mm -hmm. she's privately like trying to give him some advice on like how to do this because I think she knows that she maybe knows more than he does. And she says to him, whatever you do, look, whatever your plan is, you know, it's good. But once you set the date, do not change it. And she tells him this 
multiple times she tells him this twice yeah which of course because she says it so many times we know that that's not gonna work out the way it needs to but yeah and she says she'll she'll have all the bees she can Mm -hmm. which is a, a phrase we hear throughout the rest of the series yeah um and then which just basically means like getting men to yeah fight mm-hmm. yeah and then you see them like starting their well before that though harry tubman and onion interact yes that's true um and harry tubman does the same thing that like most black characters in the show have done where she's like you know what are you mm-hmm. um yeah then harry tubman gives onion her shawl yes and says you know keep being as brave as you were in that moment just then um and then and then we're on the train again and ethan hawk is revealing the plan to onion it kind of cuts back and forth between uh john brown revealing the plan to onion on the train and then john brown explaining the plan to all of his his troops uh back at the homestead and while he's revealing the plan uh bob has one of the greatest lines i don't know if you wrote that down yes i did the cheese has slid all the way off your biscuit. Yeah. So yeah. good. Um, but yeah, this is a real like, um, you know, and my axe kind of moment. Like, because he's explaining the plan and it's crazy and they're all going to die, basically. Mm. And they all have to agree to it. He's like, listen, we could die. You need to be into this. Like, you have to be okay with this. And then his sons are all kind of like voicing their concerns like, you know, is it right for us to bring all of these other men? Like it's one thing for us as a family to do it, but to bring all these other men mm-hmm. into this knowing that they will probably die. Is that right? Um, and so, but they all like one by one agree, uh, you know, like I'm in, uh, you know, I will, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. In my axe. And my axe? Yeah, from Lord of the Rings. Oh. And my axe. And my axe. I am Spartacus. No. Gimli. I know, I'm, do- I'm doing, I'm riffing. I'm saying another thing that's like that. Oh, thing. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, understand? Yeah. Oh, Captain, my captain. Exactly. Yeah. I'm Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Oh, Captain, my captain. Oh, Captain, my captain. Um... Trying to think. Oh, I was trying to think of. I was thinking of something else that was like that. Yeah, in um, Sex Education season two, Mm -hmm. um, there's a a picture of someone's vaginas going around school, um, and everyone's making fun of her. But then, uh, at a at a school assembly, one by one, they all stand up and say, "That's my vagina." (laughs) It's beautiful. Show of solidarity. It's powerful. Yeah. Anyway, so Onion and Cook are going to be sent as the advance team, which I wrote down, yikes, next to, because yeah. Cook is a hot mess. He just wants to, like, drink and fuck. Yeah. And Onion is a child. Like, definitely has, like, proven himself to be helpful, but you're saddling Onion with this guy that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. And you're expecting Onion to be able to, you know, get all of the local black people to join the war effort. This, you know, this effort. 
um it's it's a lot yeah and he explains john brown says because onion basically says like are you sure about sending cook to do this Mm-hmm. and John Brown's, like, rationale is that he's, like, a smooth-talking white guy. Like, he can kind of slip into different places. And Onion is also, like, a young girl. Mm-hmm. So they can both get into places that maybe some of the other people, such as John Brown, his family, or some of the other black people wouldn't be able to go. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of his thinking. But he's putting too much faith, obviously, into Cook, who Onion can clearly see is, like, not up to it. Yeah. Then I just had one last line from Ethan Hawke. He said, I'm talking about purifying this guilty land with blood. I'm talking about civil war. Yeah. So. And then we're like, oh, I know that thing. <laughs> civil war. You know, like the Leonardo DiCaprio I love the game. Avengers. Yes. Sure. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that Leonardo DiCaprio gif where he's like pointing? Yeah. At the TV. I know it. Like civil war. Point. Mm-hmm. I know that that happened. I saw the trailer for because um, I think this is the first time they mention they <laughs> say the word civil war uh-huh. in the show, even though we know yeah. a civil war is happening yeah. or going to happen. Yeah, you saw a trailer. Don't worry about it. You saw a trailer. <laughs> yeah, for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or whatever. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Cool. Looks cute. Mm-hmm. I like some, you know, queer baiting <laughs> in my media. That's what it is. Did mm-hmm. Did you watch that trailer? Like, the staring contest? I didn't really. I just the, kind of, uh, the bickering? Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. Anyway. Uh, do you have something you'd like to share with me? Sure. It's time for a hawk fact. So, in this episode, oh, that's so bright. That's better. In this episode, we meet Harriet Tubman. Yes. So, I oh shoot was wondering about the not the Harriet Hawk, but the Harrier Hawk. Mm. The Northern Harrier. And in this episode, Harriet Tubman is in Canada mm-hmm. where John Brown is giving a speech. And the Northern Harrier actually does uh go travel through most of north america so in the non-breeding season the northern harrier can be found throughout the southern throughout basically most of the united states and then during the breeding season they migrate up north to canada and some parts of northern america of north us but pretty much they when when it's breeding season they're pretty much just in canada and um they migrate alone during the daytime and they hunt as they travel 
And Harriers are interesting because their faces look a lot like hawks. Mm-hmm. I mean, their faces look a lot like owls. Oh, okay. Yeah, they are hawks. They are hawks, yeah. Their faces look like owls. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no relation, but they just kind of look like that. Um, and they rely on hearing as well as vision to capture prey. And the their disc face shaped shape disc shaped face looks and functions much like an owl's with stiff facial feathers helping to direct sound to the ears which is kind of interesting so Hmm. they 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 have both strong seeing and it's like a a howl a hawk owl here yes yes an elk that's much worse (laughs) um strong seeing and hearing abilities whereas i think usually the the sight is the primary tool that hawks have but um northern harriers use both their both senses and uh male northern harriers can have as many as five mates at once though most have only one or two so they're uh you know, little uh, little flirty. Mm-hmm. Northern Harriers hunt mostly small mammals and small birds, but they are capable of taking bigger prey like rabbits and ducks. They sometimes subdue larger animals by drowning them. <laughs> My God. Ooh. So that's the Northern Harrier. Or as I like to call it, a howl. Yes, and that comes to us from... All about birds. I saw the best minds of my generation. Destroyed by madness. <laughs> I saw the best birds on All About Birds. Nice. Well, do we have anything else to say about this episode? Yeah, there was a quote that from... From... Uh, from Onion. Mm-hmm. Onion says, seems like everyone is making a speech about the Negro except for the Negro. Yeah. Just a good speech. Good, I have a good, good, good quote. quote. Yeah. Because it's John Brown, but there's also, there were a lot of, like, there were some other prominent white abolitionists. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, um, something related to the last episode. Frederick Douglass, who had a relationship with uh, an abolitionist named Garrison, I think was his last name, who was a white abolitionist, and he uh, he was sort of part of the reason that like Frederick Douglass kind of honed his speaking skills is because Garrison was like, oh, you're a good you're good at making speeches. You should. Um, you should do that and so he does and he gets really good at it and then eventually he started to feel like he was being his relationship they started to strain a little bit Mm -hmm. um because he felt like he was sort of being paraded around to make speeches um and so they kind of split off a little bit and they had they had the uh they had very different ideas about like um 
about what the like path forward was like frederick Douglass was kind of um very adamant about abolishing slavery obviously mm-hmm. but william lloyd garrison that's his name but he was also like a kind of defender of the constitution because uh, he saw that the constitution as it as it was written was a very good document and it protected people's freedoms mm-hmm. but it was not being put into practice that way mm-hmm. so he was kind of able to show like this is this is we're not living up to the ideals of this whereas some people including garrison were like oh the whole thing is rotten we have to scrap it and start over mm-hmm. but frederick Douglass had a kind of more institutional view on it which is interesting hmm. so i guess it's a little different than the, what onion said mm-hmm. but there weren't many other people besides um frederick Douglass. frederick Douglass, who yeah. were yeah who got to make speeches like that yeah and it was kind of seen as like he was kind of like a um a kind of walking rebuke to some of the defenses of slavery which were the like black people are less intelligent and all these things mm-hmm. yeah like eugenic stuff yeah and he was very you know incredibly well spoken very good looking he was like he mm-hmm. was one of the most photographed men in america at the time um so he he had this he had you know the looks and the charisma and to kind of be like you know and that was kind of what was able to galvanize people Mm -hmm. interesting guy yeah and we'll get to see more of him in just a couple episodes a little bit more Mm -hmm. not too much the last episode was the one with where it was like most yeah he had the most action right yeah good show Mm -hmm. well i've been harper you can find me on the internet at harping about on instagram twitter and letterboxd and the like and something I've been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke lately is the new Arlo Parks album. It is called Collapsed in Sunbeams. Um, I just really like it. It's a it's a cool it's a cool vibe. Woodrack nice Jonathan how about you where can the people find you and what have you been enjoying uh you can find me uh, walking around and my name is Jonathan what Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and the thing I've been enjoying is um well we watched the Super Bowl Uh uh-huh did you enjoy that (laughs) not exactly but we well, what happened was mm-hmm. I woke up while well, I was in bed 
Mm-hmm. And you came to talk to me and you were like, oh, are we watching the Super Bowl today? Or you were like making a joke or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to watch. I said to and, you. Like, and this is a joke because we don't watch most sports, but especially not football. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, we're going to watch. We're going to watch it. And I was like, you, and I told you, you have to cheer for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. The team that has and that's Tom fu- Brady. Yeah, which was funny to you because Tom Brady's on there. So I have to cheer for Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, was yeah. making ha, you ha, cheer ha. for Tom Brady because I didn't. I, so I was cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs because I was rooting against Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And then at like three o'clock, we went out to get to cool, unrelated or maybe related. I don't know. Oh, we yeah. Out- I thought that islands would be good super bowl food okay so you thought about i it, thought yeah. about it because so i we thought i took get... you i took this seriously i thought oh we're really watching super bowl yeah and i thought at no point today would we watch the super bowl i i i was i talked about it in the morning but i was a hundred percent joking yeah. and then in the car it came up and you're you you were talking to your mom yeah <laughs> now we, I was, you were, we were, i was driving and and you mentioned oh we're gonna watch you said to your mom oh we're gonna watch the super bowl and I turned to you and I was like, we are. <laughs> and that was when we kind of decided that I was like, okay, I guess we're watching it now. Because yeah. I was kidding. And I thought we were playing a game called Super Bowl Chicken. Yeah. Where we see who is the first one to say, I don't want to watch the Super Bowl. So technically I won, yes. except then we did continue to we go did. on to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. We, we didn't start until like four o'clock or something like that. Because we went and got yeah. Well, we were back by we were back by three thirty for oh, sure. Because okay. we got the we got the wings, we yeah. got fries, I got a burger, made some margaritas. We had the whole Super Bowl thing mm-hmm. ready to go, and turned it on, and it was like pretty fun for the first like. I'd say the first half. Mm-hmm. Was fun. Yeah, I mean, we stopped watching after that, really. Because we. It was fun for both of us to kind of figure out what was going on. Yeah. And also when the Tampa Bay would score, you would like make fun of me because mm-hmm. my team was losing. Yeah. And this was a dynamic that I was not used to. Yeah. And when something good would happen for Tampa Bay, you'd be like, yes, go. <laughs> it was very entertaining to watch. You watch football. Uh-huh. As someone who doesn't watch football, I don't watch football either. But, um, and then the the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the only football game I've ever watched. The Kansas City Chiefs got absolutely destroyed. Yeah, they got demolished. They didn't score a single touchdown. No, didn't they do one? They had. Did they have one? I think one. They had one, but I thought I, they got a like a bunch of kicks. Oh, maybe that was it. I don't know. Maybe they scored. I don't know. I might have missed it. We don't understand football still, to be clear. They got a bunch of kicks, I think, is how they got a lot of them. They lost like nine to like 37 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some insane number. It was horrible. They s- sucked. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, you feel for them because they're like, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This guy, this the the guy is like he's supposed to be like the next Tom Which Brady, guy? basically Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, I see. Who's the? But didn't he keep getting flagged for 
saying things. His teammates did. Oh. He didn't really. He he was he just the quarterback, so he was like throwing, not just the quarterback, you know. But he was like <laughs> throwing the ball, and then all the other team, because the other players were the ones that are like kind of grabbing. Mm-hmm. They got a, the Kansas City Chiefs got in a lot of trouble because they kept like mm-hmm. grabbing, holding, holding, which is just like when you grab someone in a way you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Unsportsmanlike conduct. That was another thing. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did that too, though. And it was the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was making fun of the other guy. Which is like, you destroyed them. Why do you need to do this? Yeah. Like, I trash talk, I think... I have no problem with trash talk. But at this, like... There's a time and a place and a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's before the game. Or early in the game. But if one team is just having this lopsided victory... And you're kicking them while they're down. This is why I cheer against. <laughs> it wasn't Tom Brady that did that, but this is why I cheer against Tom Brady. Uh, the reason I cheer against against Tom Brady is because of the whole. F- well, first off, he's like friends with Trump or whatever. So yeah, that's not. Don't love that. And also, even if he was just like whatever, usually I kind of like to cheer for the underdogs, unless I have like a. Let's go from L.A. or something. And I'm mm-hmm. sure for them. Right. And also, like, the whole deflate gate thing. Yeah. What? Did they deflate the balls? They did. That's fucked. Apparently, deflating the balls makes it... Because I didn't know this, but you... Uh, it makes them easier to throw, makes them right? It easier to kick uh, yeah. to throw and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, I did know that. I did hear that. And so, they brought the... And apparently, you bring your own balls... That seems crazy. insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, but it's actually um, tying it into my favorite sport, curling. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring your own brooms to curling because mm-hmm. this was a really big deal at the the turn of the curling revolution when the new brooms came out a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago, four or five years ago. And the new brooms were like really good, very efficient for curling and there was a lot of debate over whether or not they would be regulation to use the new brooms or if everyone was going to switch to them or what because pretty much you like you bring your own thing so it's like what you can afford mm-hmm. because all of the people that do curling are like biology teachers from minnesota right you know so it's not like like there's a league but you know people are bringing their own material you know equipment yeah and um so it was a it was a big deal when like some people were gonna have a broom that was better than other people's and um you know there would be like a disadvantage and basically what happened there was like no like kind of official ruling on it basically it was just like a handshake agreement at every game that everyone would be using the same kind of stuff Mm -hmm. uh, between the players of the game right it was bonkers yeah this is like yeah, national I mean, sports with these insane things like bringing your own footballs to a game like that's crazy yeah that to me it's a little bit different because with curling it's okay with like basketball football baseball soccer etc the two teams are you have two different teams that are interacting with the same ball 
Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Whereas curling, I guess you could say it's a little bit more like figure skating where you're wearing your own skates or wearing your own shoes. Yeah, I see that. I see that. It's the equipment that you use and only you use. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that it would be like personal. Yours, yeah. So I think it is a little bit. And also like this is not a matter of like uh, is this regulation or not? This is just like plain cheating. Yeah. Right. Like they weren't allowed to do this and they did it. And it's like if you're already like he's considered the greatest football player ever mm-hmm. if you're already and the patriots were like winning over and over and over if you're already at that level yeah why do you need to cheat like they could win anyway mm-hmm. and not have like a tainted sort of victory yeah but to go and do that that's what bothers me like you could win anyway you could win fair and square and no one would say, be able to say anything to you but you have to go and cheat. And it's like, now you're going to cast doubt over pretty much everything you do in some people's minds, myself included, mm-hmm. but like the Astros when they cheated against the mm-hmm. Dodgers. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you, you I'm, I'm going to cheer against the Astros forever now. And then the Dodgers went and won the next year. Mm-hmm. I don't watch baseball, but it was great. It's a great moment. I know so little about about, about baseball. Yeah. That okay. when they won, I didn't realize it. <laughs> like I, because it's not like there's a buzzer in baseball. Uh-huh. It's like the innings, and it goes, you know, forever, forever. And so it took me a moment to realize that the game was actually over. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was already cheering, and I was like, oh, it ended. <laughs> It's a very confusing sport, as is football. But I enjoyed about half of it, and then I got really mad. I was like, "This sucks." But also, it was my my team was losing, mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs, who I did not know who were, were from Missouri. Now I do. Yep. And then the performance was pretty fun. Yeah. And it was a whole super spreader thing. I said, "Ooh." It's also not great. Yeah, 25,000 people in one place. Are you fucking kidding me? In Florida? Are you fucking fucking kidding me? Yeah, dude. That's bad. Um, so we'll see what the what that's going to end up being like. But uh that's what I enjoyed. It was a new experience for me. Mhm. And that's what I'll say. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention earlier, you could also follow me on TikTok, and I did post a TikTok of the Super Bowl viewing, mm-hmm. if that interests you. Um, real fun time. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. Good night. Good <laughs>